This is what you give us to work with and to make some rhymes. We're doing naval treaty for the third time. Someone found stolen plans on the body of Cardogan. And if Sherlock doesn't get his man, England's honor's gonna fall. England's honor's gonna, England's honor's gonna, England's honor's gonna, England's honor's gonna, England's honor's gonna fall. That's what I got. Listen, I remember that I was to do a song 10 minutes before you arrived. And I was 10 minutes late. I was 20 minutes late, but still. Speaking of being 20 minutes late, welcome back to... Oh. <laughs> when I say 10 minutes before you arrive, I mean, I message you, hey, are we still doing the thing? And you're like, oh yeah, I'll be there in 20 minutes. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh fuck, I drew a song. Well, speaking of being a song, welcome back to the study or not. <laughs> a bi-weekly podcast where I, Mike Nolfo, I'm not expert of the Shrock Holmes series, especially the 1980s Granada series starring Jeremy Brett and Edward Hardwick. Yeah, I almost said David Burke. Edward Hardwick, and we talk about it. I'm joined, as always, by my friend Jackson Eflin, who I hoodwinked into watching this show. <laughs> Jackson, welcome back to your home. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to me being in your home. <laughs> Where we record, because it's slightly better for audio reasons. And neighbor reasons. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this time we're doing the Bruce Partington plans, and as you very uh, hilariously sung, we're doing the Naval Treaty for the third time. <laughs> this is, I think, the second best of the Naval Treaty, so the Naval Treaty being the third best Naval Treaty. What was the first one? I'm trying to remember. Um, the Second Stain. The Second Stain, of course. Yeah. Um, Honestly, one of her favorite episodes. It is very funny to me that whenever, like, Conan Doyle t- t- tries to do like, oh, it's a big deal, this plot. Like, this is far-reaching consequences for the world. Somebody stole the plans to something. And it's kind of like, where'd they get sold to? What's happening? It's just very odd that it's like, with the breadth of murder cases that he does and the different ways that things are murdered. I mean, this season alone, there was the Silver Blaze. We had um, other episodes. Um, I'm liking all of them right now. The Devil's Foot. I the, mean... The Second Stain... That wasn't this season. True, sorry, yeah. But it's still, I guess, across the breadth of it, yeah, like the dancing men. Like, it's usually the, the reason for the murder typically comes down to the same thing, or one of, you know, the few general motives. But in this case, when it's always like the world's at stake, it's like, yeah, somebody stole a government thing, mm-hmm. and we don't know if they sold it yet or not. Can you find it, please? And part of the problem is, if someone who isn't in England gets these plans, then they'll probably do a bad thing at some point in the future. I guess. It's never like, there's never of a hookup. We have to get this back before the conference in Vienna in three days or Singapore will explode or whatever. Three days to get to Vienna? Can this canoe do that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the Naval Treaty is the most interesting version for me of like what, um, is taken and what it could do. Like the worst part of divines are for a submarine. Mm -hmm. That's generally just like, oh man, if they get these, they might have as good of submarines as we do. Mm-hmm. The Naval Treaty is, no, this is like a secret alliance we're making that if it gets out, like there will be a world war. And I kind of, I don't know, that one, the stakes for that are a little bit better. And I know that we talked in that episode, you specifically were saying that it was kind of vague about like what it was. It's like a piece of paper that says, this is where we'll move our boats if this alliance happens. This is where we'll move our boats if this happens. Like, it is kind of more nebulous, but at least the stakes are more like, this will lead to a world war. Right, exactly. It's a very boring episode. Yeah, like, the the stakes are good, the the delivery is not as strong, whereas here the stakes are less good, but the delivery is a bit better. Yeah, I at least enjoy... Like, I was fairly bored throughout the episode just because it was the Naval Treaty again. There were a lot more places where I was at least 
amused, mm-hmm. even if I was bored. I think it, had, it was like a pretty consistent tone all the way through, as opposed to the Delphine Idiot, which will do like long stretches of, of um, yes, well, these plans. What size is the room? How big is the room? Measure that doorknob for me, Watson. Roses! Almighty roses! Now we'll fight badly. <laughs> It's, it's all over the place, is what I'm saying. Well, speaking of being all over the place, let's get into the synopsis. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. That's my turn, right? Uh, sure. Yeah. Let's just run the whole thing. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Um, the astounding event of Mycroft Holmes' arrival on Baker Street was a theft of ten pages of plans from the Bruce Partington submarine, seven of which were found on Kentucky West's employee. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. Seven of which were found on the Cadogan West employee. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> Automatically, I, I have to believe they missed a number of comments there based off how you read that. This makes it sound like somebody stole the planes from a submarine. The, the, the theft was on a submarine, which, man, where was that episode? Right? Uh, anyway, seven of them were found on the Cadogan West employee. Of course. The employee's name was Cadogan West. Yes. Who was discovered dead near a London subway track. Sherlock deduced from the absence of a ticket in West's pocket and from the observation of the track that the employee did not kill himself when he fell out of the train. <laughs> True, he did not kill himself when he fell out of the train. That's not how that works. I just look based off the fact that he didn't have a ticket <laughs> yeah, exactly. and where it was. He couldn't have killed himself. <laughs> uh, he was murdered and placed on the roof of a wagon from where his body slipped with a convoy tan on a switch. They probably mean turn, but it just says tan. Sure. Holmes, sorry. I'm so sorry. We have a tense change. I love tense changes. Amazing. Holmes will not learn anything from the planner, Sir James Walter. He has just died. <laughs> he has just died, his brother claims, of the shock caused by the disappearance of the documents. West's fiance, Violet Westbury, explains to Holmes that he... I'm sorry. Explains to Holmes that he abandoned her on the way to the theater to rush to the Admiralty buildings and Johnson... The head of the department reveals that only he and Sir James have the keys to access the plans. But Holmes notices that the desk flaps do not join. <laughs> no, the desk, there, it's the, the it's, shutters, the window yeah. shutters, not the desk flaps. Yeah, that's not a thing. I mean, maybe that's like a term, like a birch term or something that we're unaware of, but... But that's not what it, anyway. No, I know. Yeah, the shutters don't join. Wes could have observed through the slits an alarming spectacle. Having introduced himself into the home of the spy overseen, Holmes sees his hypothesis about West confirmed. The train stopped under the window. The train stopped under the window, stained with blood. In Overton's office, Holmes and Watson discovered the discovered the ad signed by Perot, where he set up an appointment with the man who delivered the plans to him. Immediately, Holmes, using the same pseudonym, summoned this mysterious traitor, but when he appeared, it turned out that he was not other than the Honorable Colonel Valentine Walter. He copied his brother Sir James's keys and stole the plans. Having surprised Walter, West followed him to the Oberstein's house, which, fearing his testimony, killed him. Walter confused, Holmes used it to lure the spy who fell into the trap. Alright. Oh, is that it? Yeah, that's, oh. that's it. That's well, okay. well, there's like a couple additional things, but. There sure are. Uh, Alright, well, there you have it. The Bruce Parting Complaints. Jackson, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I'd like to plug what's up with uh, how British this one is. Sounds very British. It, it's not... Valentin Walter is... Told, sorry. The Honorable Colonel Valentin Walter... Well, surely not any longer. Yeah, you know, the Dishonorable Walter. The traitor. Yeah, you know, the traitor Walter is told, how could you, an Englishman, do this? It's not like... It's not like this was bad because it was murder. It's like, no, this is, this is an improper English behavior. Um, 
a lot of like stiff upper lip, like an old soldier who would never have betrayed us, kind of yeah. thing. The the amount of kind of like the jokes that we made for Silver Blaze and I made in the episode copy, like the notes or whatever, of how that one was very distinctly like we've had to, we're gonna find that horse. Like a man has been murdered, and this was like I say, no one would be so treacherous as <laughs> to betray her queen's England like that, and it's like. <laughs> Also, a man died. Mm-hmm. Like, it couldn't have been a traitor. It's like, he died. <laughs> there have been two. <laughs> the two murders. It was like, maybe the, more. The fact Imagine. That, the fact that this man was killed was less of an ordeal than the possibility that someone was behaving un-British like. <laughs> Which honestly is exactly what I went from uh, <laughs> the story. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Arthur. Uh, also, you want to talk about how many clues there are. Oh, yeah. Um, this episode had a lot of, like, he fell here, and look at where the tracks diverge, and he didn't have any tickets in his pockets, and there are seven, there are ten missing clans, but only seven are here. and I can, A lot of, like, ins and outs like that, mm-hmm. uh, that are, it is trying to give us stuff to work with, but because, kind of, the clues fall together in finding out that this person who was mentioned earlier lives right next to this place where the body happened, um, and we don't know... Unless you're intimately familiar with the London subway terminals, you don't know where that house is in relation to where this body was found. You cannot really do anything with that. So, to me, it wasn't very solvable, and, which, and that made it not as satisfying as it could have been. I I don't know. This I'm not opposed to Holmes' um, mysteries where there's a buildup of clues, and he seems to be doing things. Then it's like, what what was that? And then later it pays off, and it's like, haha, I was being clever, in fact. Like right. um, in Devil's Foot, where Watson's like, oh, he knocked over that bucket of water. I was like, haha, but there I got his shoe print to see. <laughs> clever. Ah. Like stuff like that, where this wasn't really like that. It was more just Holmes quietly amassing information until he then said everything, mm-hmm. which, you know, is fine. But as you say, it's not like solvable as the viewer really unless you're just like extremely on it right which I agree that that's fine but like if you're gonna give me all these clues then give me nothing to do with them then it's not like as fun for me and it wasn't there wasn't really all that much else happening in it to really give me like like an emotional drive even if I can't like treason was happening Jackson it sure was actually leads me to my next point in that like uh that actually kind of brings me to the next point where um, we get a, a very short scene with uh, Violet Westbury, mm-hmm. who's saying to Holmes, my husband was a good man. His needs were simple, but he was a proper, honorable Englishman. Restore his honor, Mr. Holmes. Prove he didn't do this. And that's good stakes. I'm here for um, a good man has been accused of doing a wrong thing, and Holmes has to restore his honor as a concept. That is intimate personal stakes that I care about beyond, like, the plans for a submarine may be a war. But we only have a tiny snippet of, like, that honor thing from mm-hmm. her. I think that should have been moving a lot earlier. So, like, we have this, like, impetus to care way in advance. Wouldn't you want us more to do mm-hmm. also if the military doesn't want him investigating this? Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm being, I've been contracted independently by, you know, by Westbury. And that way then it's not, oh, yes, here's everything you want to know. Here's all the question Holmes has to, like disguise and wheedle and outfox him to get what he wants. Like, hell, Moriarty and Moriarty, Mycroft could still be involved, but as the, like, oh, no, I have to I have to stop you. Like, I want you to, I'm, I, if it's up to me, you'd be on it, on the <laughs> case, but you're not, and I have to try to stop you. And then we can have the Holmes brothers, like, one-on-one, like, trying to outfox each other. So that would be really fun. It could even be a thing where Mycroft, like, um, 
uh, talks about how he has to stop him, and like in the middle of that, like drops a tiny clue, so they're sure looking like grab onto that while making it seem like he's not. Yeah, yeah, it would have been that would have been fun, and I mean, we would have probably heard the word treason and traitor a lot less. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Violet Westbury, <laughs> I did an independent study this week. Uh, <laughs> this is the third time that we have been introduced to a Violet. Uh, the previous two being Violet Hunter in the Copper Beaches and Violet Smith in the Solitary Cyclist. We have one more to go in the whole <laughs> canon. Uh, Violet de Merville in uh, the illustrious <laughs> last it's, name. Uh, I looked up the premise of that so I could do some research, and it's going to be a ride. Oh, boy. The illustrious client is definitely, definitely without any problems whatsoever. Oh, good. I'm so excited for that. Uh, it is where the name Kitty Winters comes from for Friends of Elementary. That is the second protege he takes on and is in the show for a little while. It's mm. very fun. A lot of people like Kitty. Um, but I decided I wanted to look into why why are there so many violets. Because so I looked into one fact here. As of this recording, the episodes we've seen, we've had one Irene or a Renee, an Elsie and Annie, a Sarah, Nancy, Helen, Julia, Catherine, Jenny, Alice, Sophie, Nora, Hilda, Rachel, Janet, Mary, Teresa, Lucrezia, Brenda, Edith, and three violets. And Peggy. <laughs> okay. So I wanted to look into, like, why are there so many violets in here? Uh, so, first of all, on any number of, like, baby name sites or what does this name mean sites, uh, I found an interesting stuff. It was well used in Scotland from the 15th century onwards. Of the 809 violets recorded in the 1841 census, 69% were living in Scotland, with another 30% living in England. Uh, by 1861, when I think I made a note uh, that Conan Doyle would have been three years old, it was 55% of um, the violets in the world lived in Scotland. Mm. It just seems like it's a very common name. One thing I saw was a likening it to, um, in Catholic communities, the name Mary is extremely common. Mm, sure. Similarly. Um, I did find a few things. One, there was a British author and literary hostess named Violet Hunt mm. that would have been active and around in Doyle's time. I don't, I couldn't find any link to them definitely. I did find a Violet Tweedale, who's a Scottish author, poet, and spiritualist. Um, mm. She was linked with Doyle as he wrote the preface to her book, Phantoms of the Dawn, published in 1924. Um, one this other... This sounds bad as hell. We'll get up later. Yeah. One other Violet I found that didn't have anything to do with Violet's... She wasn't even Violet Smith, uh, but this was well after Doyle's time. Uh, she was the first licensed female jockey in the Pacific Northwest and the sixth woman to be licensed as a jockey in the United States. Hmm. Um, back on the actual stories, though, I... Found a couple of things. One of them was a Tumblr blog. Uh, I have two sources here. One is a Tumblr blog, and one is an actual literary article. So one thing of validity and one thing of, of tripe. Yes. Um, Violet Hunter was a governess. Doyle's sisters were also governesses. Violet Smith was a music teacher. Uh, Violet de Merville was, I believe, the daughter of a general. And, but more just she was a woman. I mean, actually, it wasn't like a, a job or anything. And then Violet de Merville, or et cetera, Violet Westbury was a, a wife, a witness, and kind of a victim. I don't know. I started working an idea that the Violets, because it's an, for Doyle, it would have been a very kind of everyday woman's name, like mm -hmm. just an every woman. He kind of ran the gamut of every woman. Like, Violet Hunter is a governess. They're, um, now, there's a music teacher. Those would be most of the jobs women at the time would probably have in the proper British society. Right. Those were like um, 
honorable jobs for for a woman to have who's working and is not like a lady. Violet Westbury was a wife. Um, Violet and Merle, again, a bit of an odd duck. In this one, she is wants to marry a guy who she 100% should not marry that man. Um, and the... the I think it was the article here, or it might have been the Tumblr post, used the phrase uh, actively chasing her ruin, which is an interesting thing because the others love that. are Violet Smith and Violet Hunter are acted against. Mm-hmm. Violet Demerville is the one who goes to her ruination. I don't know. I, it's a lot of unclear kind of cobbled together thoughts I have here about that specifically, just because there's no information about the Violets other mm-hmm. than canon. I have another thing here from the article, Dainty Hands, Perceptions of Women and Crime and Sherlock Holmes Stories by uh, Hader Abram, published in the UC Hastings College of Law. Um, I will post a link to the article I found and the, the <laughs> my bibliography. Um, she makes a note in a larger point that most women in Sherlock Holmes Stories are captives, protectors, muses, or entrepreneurs. Um, I tried to do a brief listing of like, okay, captives, obviously the, um, Violet Smith and no, Violet Hunter in the Copper Beaches, Violet Smith, somewhat in Solitary Cyclist, um, Westbury, I put as a protector, she's a wife, she kind of keeps his secrets, mm-hmm. it's tentative, um, I didn't put anybody in her muse, and on entrepreneur, I guess both Copper and Smith go for, um, entrepreneurs there making their way in the world. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't have a lot else. There was a thing I was trying to do at one point also, oh, about um, running a, like a spectrum, like Violet Hunter gets saved before anything bad happens to her. Violet Smith is saved, but not before the mm-hmm. bad thing happens to her. Uh, Violet de Merville is ostensibly saved from herself, and Violet Westbury is a victim. <laughs> Man, um, you do a great job of having the illustrious clients. I'm now like very excited for that episode. They'll be very good and have no problems. Oh, yeah. 100% no problems whatsoever. Uh, one last thing from the article that I wrote down, which I think is just interesting. There's a table here. Of the 56 stories, uh, across all of them with women, uh, 30 of them are the victim, 15 are a neutral party, and 30 are perpetrators or accomplices. Hmm. I don't know more why not. Um, Accomplice sisters. Uh, of the social classes, 12 are lower working class, 17 are lower middle class, Three are governesses or teachers. Ten are upper middle class slash estate. Nobility or royalty make up eight. New money is four. And bohemian slash artist slash society is five. Last thing on the table is ethnicity. 43 are British. Colonies, North American, Australian uh, make up eight. European is six. And Latin American are three. Hmm. Um, also, fun fact, Violet Besson played Mrs. Hudson in the Three Garadebs, which is the first Sherlockian TV movie. Oh, and lastly... For Violet's Thursday is her lucky day, and five is her lucky number. <laughs> that's actually a thing. That did, that's not a thing. I mean, like, that is actually a thing. I still want to name, looking up the name Violet. For sure. But as far as the part of our episode notes, or our schedule where it says Mike's going to talk for a while about Violet, that is the full extent of my Violet information. This concludes the Violet Hour. I do actually really like the idea of, of Violet as the everywoman. Like, mm. the, so, like, when... It was kind of Violet Westbury is not necessarily a person in her own right, but an archetype within the play of the story. That makes her kind of the wife of England, or the wife of Honorable England, or Honorable English Workers. The and, wife of Honorable England. <laughs> yeah. Jackson's first novel coming out via Penguin Sam. <laughs> Which... 
I guess on that level makes the story a little bit more impactful because it's not just it's not just England that's at stake, but it's the idea of the English people that's at stake. Mm-hmm. Which I that, that makes me like it more. Thank you. Yeah. Like I said, it, I started working on the idea that vi- like whenever violets show up, it's usually some kind of archetype of the every woman, like it's like the violet hunter is the governess, and also in my research, like two of Doyle's sisters were governesses, so he had a lot of support and sympathy for that profession. Um, and, I mean, Violet Smith was a music teacher, as, as we said, and then Violet Marvel was young and in love, and <laughs> we're just city child, harumph. And um, <laughs> it just was love. I started this... The only thing than a Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's Christmas and sacrifices must be made for those we love, or even those whom we are married to, <laughs> uh, from the Blue Carbuncle. But... It just, it was an interesting, I don't know, I didn't have more to it, and if I had more than, like, the four days in which I remembered I was going to go down this path, um, I may have come up with more of a polished idea on that, but, I don't know, it just, that's what I found. There's nothing there. Like I said, long story short, too late, um, it's probably just a pretty common name he liked, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully this is the start of um, some deeper digging into, like, what... (laughs) This podcast is going to start the Violet Scholarship <laughs> scholarship research about the Holmes camp. We're going to break this wide open. This is ground zero for the Violet Renaissance. There are hundreds of Sherlock Holmes podcasts that are much more highbrow, but we're going to crack right into Holmes history <laughs> by starting the Violet Discourse. <laughs> I mean, what if, you know, us starting with Violet question, which will lead to them figuring out, like, who the Zodiac Killer was or whatever, you know? Oh, shush. <laughs> We're recording this well in advance. No, they know who check. They know who the Zodiac Killer is. Fine. What if our Violet Enterprise leads to us um, figuring out who Jack the Ripper was? <laughs> it was me all along. Uh, that tracks. Yeah. What else? I as I said, that was the thing on the notes that I had. So I'm not sure what else we have that you were wanting to get to talk about here. I had a few small monographs. Um, this is once again an episode where Holmes is lamenting that the um, <laughs> criminals are just not doing it for him. Yeah, it's, he he can't get his magnifying glass up. It's um, very funny to me how many episodes we go. Hall's just like, ah, crime is just not good anymore. <laughs> uh, and he does say, uh, "It is lucky that uh, I am not a criminal for the people of London." Uh, and later in this episode, he is like, "I have an idea. I have to do some crime. Watson needs your help with this." <laughs> I mean, that's in um, *Scandal of Bohemia*. Also, the uh, are you against? committing a crime not in a good cause mm-hmm. or whatever and interestingly here Watson is not here for it because it's uh, <laughs> it's just the safety of like all the all the naval ships as opposed to uh, <laughs> just kind of fucking with a lady <laughs> okay Watson we have to stop World War One and get the submarine planes back oh man hold on. I don't know hey Watson I'm gonna dress up like a priest and break into a lady's house do you want to throw a smoke bomb in there yes on it <laughs> Lads, 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 lads. Oh, God, that's the BBC Sherlock thing I've ever heard. Um, John Watson, absolute lad. <laughs> God, I've definitely watched like a recurring Mad TV skit of like Sherlock Holmes, but it's all set in like a frat house. Frat house Holmes. Oh, yeah, I, I pitched you this idea a long time ago. Did you? Yeah, uh, this was... There was a point where I was at work one day, and we were working a Saturday, and nobody was calling in, so I had a lot of time just to, like, 
do nothing and think about whatever. And I came up with this really stupid idea for an AU where it's all in a frat house. And I had came up with really dumb frat nicknames. Holmes was just Holmes, like homie, Holmes. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, so John Watson. And then I ended up coming with Jack Squat was his, <laughs> um, like his frat name. <laughs> and then I started coming up with like, because that's where the sex Napoleons came from. God. I don't have those any longer. I know one of them was a scandal in Brohemia. Of course. Um... I don't, yeah, I'm, it's lost to history. Maybe if I find it, I'll read them off next time or something. But, mm-hmm. um, I did have the idea. I, this is taking far too long for the, <laughs> to circle back to. I did, I, I did toy with that idea and what the titles of those stories would be. And I think we haven't seen that as an AU, so next time we need like a new Sherlock thing to happen. Yes, uh, I never thought you'd be the one championing, hey, let's put Sherlock Holmes in a frat house. I mean, that's what I want to see. Me, Jackson, F. <laughs> absolute lack. Uh, wow, we've done our There can't be that much more. Um, oh, there's a fun bit where um, uh, Mrs. Hudson is like around being useful, and I was like, No, no, that's another old friend. This is Hudson. You're hideous in the way. I'm sorry, sir, but I only have one pair of hats. Please disappear. I guess fuck Mrs. Hudson is an incredibly useful woman who's here for you at all times. I uh, did look at you in the it you way when that happened. That's fair. Also, there's a bit where Mrs. Hudson is uh, helping Watson with his coat on and saying, Now, John, you're not as young as you were. And that is true. Uh, Edward Harper Wick is two years older than uh, David Burke. There you go. That's, I'm sure that was the joke. Yeah. Not just linear time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nah, it was definitely a meta nod to the audience, of which Mrs. Hudson is aware. The actual word Mrs. Hudson fucking hated Edward Hardwick. <laughs> Loved David Burke. <laughs> you can always find one little dig in every line of her dialogue. She's talking <laughs> one dig to Edward Hardwick. Yeah, there's that cut scene where uh, Mrs. Hudson shows up with a knife trying to stab him in the middle of a recording. Honestly, what would have been really funny, this is, we're obviously, I think we're done, but. Yeah, there's nothing left. Jumping back to the devil's foot, would have been really funny if during. Uh, Holmes's like drug sequence legitimately Watson was there as well but it was David Burke just for the drug sequence mm, yeah would have been really funny to me like uh, mm-hmm. I mean we made jokes about Mrs. Watson just eating a ham sandwich or whatever <laughs> um, I mean I think it would have been really interesting to see them like do a thing where like they have uh, Hardwick in scenes that the Burke was in just to like and have Holmes going as his like mind tries to cope with it all, but uh, it wouldn't really mean anything. So I'm speaking of not meaning anything, I think it's muscular. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, this was. Sorry, y'all. This was not like a. No, this was a very plain episode. Mm-hmm. That's why I didn't feel terribly bad about having an extended monologue about violets because there wasn't much else. Yeah, um, I think my uh, candidate for muscular this time around was the underground official. Just oh, some yeah. guy who Absolutely. works in underground. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's got the sort of Colonel Mustard, or the extra long Colonel Mustard of just the sideburns to chops to mustache. Uh, the Listener, if you would imagine um, the rough shape created by the mask from Creature from the Black Lagoon, but as a mustache, is like that. I mean, yes, absolutely <laughs> correct. Wild. Wild. <laughs> Okay, I agree. Yeah, he wins. <laughs> All right. Not even he can tear down the absolute shell <laughs> of Dr. Leon Sterndale. Good. Which means with just two TV movies left, Leon Sterndale has, I mean, he may go the whole way, but 
Uh, just like Mr. Maylos in season two, he could go and fall right at the end. <laughs> Speaking of which, we have TV movies coming up. I yes. think it's the sign Next of four. Next time is the sign of four, yeah. which technically aired at the beginning of this season. We either forgot or just didn't know that and started and decided we'd put all the movies at the end. So And because British seasons are kind of, they fill a bunch of things and put them in whatever order they feel like, there's not like an official like listing of what the right order to watch these things in, so it's fine. It doesn't really matter. Based off of when like the dates they're released, I think that <laughs> The Sign of Four did come out before this season started, mm-hmm. and The Hound of the Baskervilles, which we'll do next after The Sign of Four, was the last, came out after Bruce Partington, but also, honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's not, like, a time frame here. Like, other than um, in one of the episodes we did, I think, Wisteria Lodge, where they referenced, like, the Red-Headed League and stuff like that. Yeah. That's, like, the only time where it kind of matters what order they're in. Mm-hmm. And even then, it doesn't matter for, for knowing the episode. It just helps with, like, oh, I get that reference. So, next time... Uh, actually, I know a thing for this. Next time, Watson meets his wife in the sign of four. Rare to meet thy go.